0: Good evening, world. This is the podcast Sassafras and your host, S. Cattell. I'm gonna try and keep it quick tonight, as I'm uh, well, didn't get as much sleep as I wanted to, but I'm not going to not post. I'm not going to do that again. So, yesterday we left off with the three steps of manifestation. Step one: Define what you want in terms of the end result. Step two, it's incumbent upon us to physically move in the general direction of our dreams. Step three, the universe creates a brand new manifestation in a brand new now. The starting point of all physical change is in thought, which is the only place, quote unquote, the power of now exists. And that is where we start today. The power of now. Whew, excuse me. Fun fact staying up till 11 o'clock and getting up at 6 a.m. to pack your uh, house up does tire one slightly. So, we're going over some fantastic steps to, um, excuse me, concepts in this book. And I love his writing style. So, I'm hoping we get to another note of the universe before uh, we tuck off for the night. I'm going to cover such things as One Night in Riyadh the impossible for perfection, and possibly also the explanation. Nope. No note from the universe today. Oh well. Before we get any further, shout out to my restaurant industry guys and gals out there selling food. Much love and respect. Thank you guys for doing what you do. If you're struggling, and you're contemplating doing something you can't take back, please, 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 please don't. Don't quit. I know it might seem difficult. might seem impossible. I promise you it only seems impossible. Oh, excuse me. I promise you it only seems impossible. Don't quit. Don't you dare quit. Okay. So the power of now. If you look at the illusions, all things defined by time, space, or matter surrounding you at this moment, Are they not the result of yesterday's journeys and end results? Similarly, if you want to change your life in physical terms, the starting point must be in thought, with a new end result in mind, followed by a new journey, or goal-setting if you want to call it. I take that back, not goal-setting. Goal-setting is similar. But you have a goal in mind, and what you're visualizing is the achievement of that goal. So you have a specific goal in mind. That's more of where I was going with that. Okay, sorry. This is not an intuitive approach if you've historically relied on your physical senses. Which, in large part, explains why making deliberate change up to this point has been a very daunting task for most people. Most people think the power of now lies in the physical moment, made up of the circumstances or world presently surrounding them, so they start their journeys here and now, physically. They believe that it's only natural that to get from physical point A, where they are starting from, to physical point B, where they dream of going, they need to manipulate all things time, space, and matter, the illusions, to do so. They also think they need to introduce themselves to Mary, who knows Betty, who's doing the interviews for the job they're after. They think they need to put themselves in the right place at the right time. However, this approach is nothing more than messing with the cursed house. Told you, it comes up all all, all over the place, cursed house do. Worrying about and trying to force how their dreams. Oh, excuse me worrying about and trying to force how their dreams and desires will come to pass, that I spoke about at great length in Infinite Possibilities. So that's probably a book we're going to cover here maybe in a little while. The reason people do this is because of their initial misunderstanding of where their power lies, thinking that it's in the now of the illusions, justifying their messaging with the hows, so that one day in the future, their dream will come true. But if you see your dream coming true one day in the future, that's very often where it stays, like a carrot on the end of a stick. As you move throughout time, your dream is always just a little out of reach. Instead see a new and desired end result in your mind's eye as if you are living it now, not in some near or distant future. Your vision then begins attra- uh <clears throat> Excuse me. Your vision then begins attracting itself to you, as life's magic, programmed by your chosen end results. Step one of the process, puts the right people in the right place at the right time on your path. You just need to physically, be out there, in the world. Step two, showing up where you can be reached. The universe, that greater part of you or more accurately, the metaphysical laws of the universe. will always do the hard part of then figuring out, forcing, the hows, which is the virtually incalculable part, which is also step three. All we have to do is define whatever it is we want, or the changes we wish to experience, in terms of the end result. Define them as if you were already there, which is what visualizing is all about, as you'll see later in this book. And then simply begin moving in the general direction of your dreams, knocking on doors and turning over stones before my very eyes. Allow me to devi- deviate a moment, to share with you an instance in my life when I witnessed those mechanics of manifestation unfold before my very eyes one night in Riyadh. It was more than 20 years ago when I was living in Riyadh, South Saudi Arabia. One evening I had spent some time with friends riding horses in the desert. Around 9pm I said my goodbyes, moseyed on over to my car, and began what would normally be a 30 minute drive home on one of the city's many superhighways, which were virtually deserted at this hour. Twenty minutes into that journey, traveling at about fifty miles an hour and thinking I was the only car on the road, there was a sudden flash before me. Another car had run the traffic light. I didn't even have time to hit the brakes before broadsiding it. The impossible perfection. Sitting on the curb, dazed, battered, and confused, while waiting for what would be a fleet of paramedics, police, and ambulance vehicles. I was suddenly struck again, but this time it was metaphorically, with a realization of the mind-bending mind-bending manifestation perfection of what had just happened. By that time in my life, I was long past believing in random occurrences like accidents, coincidences, and serendipities. Yet this belief meant that the choreography necessary to get me in exactly the right place at exactly the right time for this intended collusion, me, collision to happen was mind-boggling. Now, because this stuff excites me so much, I did some math and want to share it with you. Traveling at 50 miles an hour, you are literally flying at 75 feet per second. Imagine that. Plus, taking into account that I hit a moving target traveling at about the same, same speed perpendicular to my path, this would mean that had I arrived at the intersection one tenth of a second earlier or later, the two cars would have completely missed one another by one tenth of a second. By deduction and interference, this means that if anything had happened differently on my journey, to affect my arrival, by one-tenth of a second the quote-unquote accident would not have happened. If I, perhaps, had gotten off my horse just a little bit more slowly, or if I had walked just a tad bit faster to my car, or if I had fumbled for the keys in my pocket, or if I had flown to my car and distracted me by, excuse me, or if a fly had flown into my car and distracted me by just one tenth of a second, or if I had, say, listened to more buoyant, happy music and consequently driven just a tiny bit faster, the two cars would have completely missed one another. And continuing by inference, excuse me, and, uh, and continuing by inference, if anything, that entire day had unfolded differently. If I had woken up with a sore throat, or if my alarm clock had gone off late, or I had forgotten to set it, I would likely have stayed at work later to make up for my tardy arrival, and there would have been no collision. If anything in that entire week had gone differently, such as being called off to Jeddah or Cairo or Taif on a business trip, It didn't bring me back in time to ride horses that night. Then the two cars would have completely missed one another. And if anything in that entire month or year had changed, are you beginning to see it too? The perfection? The impossible, absolutely impossible perfection of of choreographing such a sequence of events? the explanation. This choreography is impossible if you interpret reality with your physical senses alone. Impossible if you think circumstances are what give rise to more circumstances, instead of understanding that it's our thoughts that force the circumstances of our lives, and impossible if you think time and space events are crafted along a linear timeline. But the perfection me, but the perfection that evening in Saudi Arabia over 20 years ago was effortlessly possible if you just peek behind the curtains of time and space where you would see that the entire event was designed without these illusory constraints, constraints beginning with the end and working backwards. you can't tell I'm a little tired only in the beginning with the end, so, only by beginning with the end, could you then figure out exactly where I would have to be one tenth of a second before impact. Only by beginning with the end and working backwards, could you then calculate where I would have to be four and a half minutes before impact, and what my speed was, my mood, the music I was listening to, and so on, and infinitum. Only by beginning with the end and working backwards could you even place me at the writing stables that night. Like in the movies. This beginning with the end concept isn't actually new for you if you've ever seen a Hollywood movie. Are they crafted and manufactured on a linear timeline? Never. Oftentimes, the end of the movie is filmed before the beginning. Yet, always, the key pivot points of the movie are filmed first. Once these are captured, movie makers can cut and splice the film and determine the se- segues between one event and another, so that when moviegoers watch the film on a linear timeline from the comfort of their theater seats, the entire production makes sense, with a logical beginning middle, and end. Similarly, for all time-space manifestations, the details are calculated, orchestrated, and packaged in the unseen, beyond the timeline in which we later experience them. We only perceive them later with our physical senses, often scratching our heads at the accidents, coincidences, and serendipities that seemingly occurred as if by magic. Granted, for some readers, I have now stepped into some woo-woo territory. But what's the alternative? That we live in a world where random things happen to random people in an otherwise mind-bogglingly perfect, stunningly breathtaking, orderly theater? Hmm. We experience the physical world on a linear timeline, but this is not where it's constructed. It's all constructed in realms we can't access triggered by our thoughts of new end results. These end results, combined with steps taken in their general direction, literally make all of the segues inevitable. All of the details, the players, the circumstances, and luck necessary to pull off a manifestation that mirrors what you were originally thinking about. And here's the kicker. In Riyadh that night, During the entire twenty minutes leading up to the point of impact, I thought I was alone and in control. Now did I just imply that there are some aspects of our lives that we have no control over? And did I earlier imply that our physical lives are packaged for us? Yes! Enter... The Cursed House. Cursed only when we try to control them. Pure magic when we surrender to these logistics of creation. And I am going to cut it off here because my eyes are playing tricks on me and that's a perfect uh, cliffhanger to get you to come back tomorrow night. <laughs> so tomorrow we will go into programming the house, and we will get further along with that. And we're just going to do a very, very plain two-minute brain break tonight. Thank you guys for being here. I do, do so deeply appreciate you. These are fascinating concepts, and normally I'll, I'm much more engaged. My head's just fried tonight. But I refuse to give up unless I don't have a choice. Like, some nights I haven't been getting to bed until 1 o'clock in the morning, so... I'm not going to sit there and podcast at 1 o'clock in the morning. Then it's already the next day, and I probably won't make anything coherent. So we're going to do our two-minute brain break, and it's just going to be some very... restful breathing, with the storm sense in the background. So go ahead and do a little wiggle. A little stretch and close your eyes and take a nice deep breath in and let it back out and take another. Luxurious deep breath in and let it back out, and just let your awareness settle into the space, and just moment, within a moment, out of time, all to yourself, just beautifully empty space. At any point in this broadcast, I was babbling incoherently. I sincerely apologize. I didn't get any sleep last night, I didn't get any sleep today, and I've been non-stop packing for the last three days. Fun times. I will absolutely do my best to be much more coherent tomorrow. And I'm excited to get into a much better in-depth explanation of the Cursed house, courtesy of Mike Dooley. This is the podcast Sassafras. Thank you guys for being here so much. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for being here. I do appreciate you, and I'll see you guys tomorrow night. Sassafras out.